Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello. Welcome to our latest episode of Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, and I'm here with Judy Sedgman coming to you from Bradenton, Florida. I think it's even amazing that we can be, you know, 4,000 miles away and do this together. It's so, it's so cool, the world we live in, that we can connect like this, isn't it? It is, it is great. Well, we're going to be talking, um, uh, we're going to do a part two of why it's so important to talk about how psychology has it backwards. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that makes what we do very different is that we're operating from a set of principles. Now, in the field of psychology, I last time I checked, there were close to 500 different approaches to treating mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? That means if you're depressed and you went to 500 different therapists, you would get 500 different treatments. Now, the reason that there are so many different treatments for the same thing is that we have, we have found these um, underlying principles that the field has not awakened to. And so when there aren't underlying principles that explain all human experience, then you're going to have lots of people making up idea, getting ideas about how to treat the experience a person is having. So as we, as in psychology, we are just human beings looking at life, looking at human, other human beings and looking at how they react and how they interact. And, and then from that, we make up hypotheses like, oh, it must be this. It must be but that. It must be that. So like I was just watching, um, one of my students sent me this um, tape and um, it was on addictions. And it was this guy talking about how an addiction is something that you get a good feeling from temporarily and that you keep going back to get a good feeling from that in spite of the negative consequences that might come from it. And then, which is Good. I mean, that's a different way of looking at addictions that it's not a, you know, a biological thing. It's not an illness. It's just a kind of a, an, a way of uh, responding to life. So I was listening to it. I was listening to it. And then about a quarter of the way through it, he goes off on this thing called attachment theory, which is the, the new thing now. It's like people get traumatized as children and then they don't learn how to feel connected to people. And so they connect to things and those become their addictions. Basically, that's kind of what they're saying. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, that could be part of what people do. But I was laughing because I thought, you know, I know a lot of people that have addictions that had just a fine childhood that were connected to their parents that didn't have any trauma going on. And yet they have addictive behaviors as they get older. So, and then by the end of it, I guess the guy comes around and starts talking about your true inner self again. 
but he got so uh, kind of distracted by the content of why people were the way they were that it, it kind of dilutes any of the truth that might come through there. So, you know, when we're talking about this, I'm not saying that no one has anything right. I mean, otherwise nobody would go to therapy ever because nothing would help them. So there are pieces that the field has gotten. There are pieces like looking at thought as being a primary thing that changes people. That's pretty new. Like when I was started out, yeah, we looked at thought, but it had really nothing to do with anything. It was the past that had to do with people's mm-hmm. experience, you know. And so it's um, what the principles bring to us is a way of understanding how things work for everybody every time. Mm-hmm. Like there's not, a, there's nobody that's different, nobody that's special, nobody that's damaged, nobody that's unable to live in mental well-being, but also there's nobody that functions any differently. So once you understand these operating principles in you, then you can get through whatever life throws at you. And that I think is the promise of this, but it also gets people on the same page. So that when you're when you're looking at somebody, like every doctor, if you come in with a sore throat, he doesn't say, oh, go to a podiatrist, right? <laughs> Because he knows that a sore throat comes from, you know, some kind of a virus or some kind of bacteria or some, for some reason, he finds out what it is. And then he gives you the medication and every doctor knows how throats work. And so they know what to do, right? It's everybody's on the same page with it. Well, in psychology, we're not all on the same page with it. And it's because we're missing these fundamental um, principles of how we operate. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And one of the things that we have, come to talk about more and more when we're talking to others in the field is that, and there's, there's literature now coming out that points in this direction too, although it's pointing with a question mark, like, is that even possible? There really is one underlying cause of mental illness. Like mental illness takes many forms, like anyone can think anything. So whatever appears to be a person's disturbance is the way they've construed their own thinking about something, but that there is really one and only one cause underlying it all, which is the misunderstanding of thought and then accidentally or innocently misusing your power to think. And if you can get to beneath all of the symptomology and all of the various ways in which we manifest our upset, times or our stress or our distress or our depression, if you can through, get through all of the creativity that human beings have about how they express themselves, the fact is what we have in common is that we create thoughts about things and we express them. And we express them in our own unique way. But the creation of that thinking is the point. The fact that we can do that and that we do do that. And that when we don't really understand that we're the thinker, that we're doing it, um, we can get frightened by our own thinking. Like we can create something in our own mind that scares us terribly. And we don't know where it came from. And that's even more scary. It's like, what am I supposed to do now? It's there. I don't know what to do about it. And the harder we fight it, the more we think about it. And that's, I think, what goes wrong in the therapeutic process because, you know, it's like the old, you know, TV psychiatrist. They'd always say, well, tell me more. 
you know, well, the more you think about it, the bigger it gets, the bigger it gets, and the, the less you understand why it keeps blooming bigger and bigger in your mind. And, uh, and the more you talk about it, the more upset you get, and the more upset you get, the more therapy you need. And it's kind of a circular thing. And when you start to realize, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to take people in the state that they're in and get them to talk more about the thing that's upsetting them because they don't know that it's their own thinking in that state of mind that's upsetting them. doesn't matter what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It matters that they don't know they're the thinker. They don't know that they're creating those thoughts mm-hmm. and that we can change our minds and we can calm down and see things differently. And that, to me, that's so um, simple that it, it's been very difficult for other people to look at and say, oh, yeah, of course, because the field is very complex, as Chris said, with all these diagnoses and various kinds of treatments and huge DSM and all these choices. And But when you look at it, I always think of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that lists all the various kinds of mental illnesses as a dictionary of the many ways people can learn, can creatively use their thinking against themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, the more it gets bigger and bigger because people are increasingly seeing, seeking help. And every time they seek help, they come in and everybody's different. And so there's a, still another one now. <laughs> and, and it's just as long as there's the human being, the creativity of human beings, there'll be more and more diagnoses, but the true underlying diagnosis is, misunderstanding our own power to think and then taking our thinking seriously because we don't know where it's coming from, misunderstanding uh, the source of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of like um, the principles, mind, thought, and consciousness, just in case you guys forgot we are listening here, is that mind is really a, a word that describes the energy that, turns your brain on, yeah. right? It's like your brain doesn't ha- doesn't work on its own. It's got to be plugged in. And so that's what we are. We are that energy. We are, when, you know, in, the, in, in religion, they'll say God is love. Well, love is a state of mental well-being. Yeah. And it's not just a, a feeling. It is a feeling, but it's a feeling state. So when we're in love, we act differently. We talk differently. We you know, we smile, you know, it's like, I, I, uh, I had a, one of my clients who would, who has had PTSD for many, many years and was really disabled with it, fell in love. Mm-hmm. So he uh, gets on, I hadn't talked to him for about three weeks and he gets on online and he's like lost 20 pounds and he's, he's smiling from ear to ear. I said, I, so I take it the girl you started dating is still uh uh, in your life, he goes, yeah, it's amazing, you know, <laughs> for him, him to fall in love and to be so, he's just so cute about it, just, you know, made me, brought tears to my eyes to see this happen. Now, we didn't work on him changing his thinking so he could find a girlfriend to fall in love with. He just got into a healthier state of mind and it happened naturally because that ability that we have, that the wisdom that comes with the energy of life, that's what we are. And then we create with thought, mm-hmm. right? So you can see your thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. And that is like when we get focused on, on analyzing content, it's kind of like you're, you got the fishbowl over your head. 
and you're trying to <laughs> analyze the fish, you know, you're right in the middle of it. But it's like taking the fishbowl off your head and looking and saying, oh, look at those fish in there. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you're not your thoughts, right? So mind is this incredible spiritual, if you will, because it's formless energy, but it's what creates all of us. Mm-hmm. And at that place, we're all the same thing and we're fine. Mm-hmm. And we have wisdom and we have answers. We have everything we need at that point. Then we think, right? And so to me, when we look at thought, it, that's great, but consciousness mixing with thought is what creates the illusion, right? Because it takes whatever we think and makes it seem real. I remember George Pransky used to talk about consciousness as the special effects guys in the movie. <laughs> because it's it's true. It's like takes whatever you think and brings it to life. Adds that life energy. Like think about that. It brings it to life. It brings it to that feeling of awakeness. Mm-hmm. But it unfortunately doesn't have a spam filter. So... <laughs> doesn't know when you're thinking something wrong or when you're thinking something that's not healthy for you. It just makes it seem real. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of those, those two pieces added on to understanding how thought works together keeps you from being so freaked out about your experience because you know, A, that your good feelings inside of you, that your wisdom is inside of you. And you know that that's just how thought and consciousness works. It creates this really scary experience in the moment. But when you know the trick, you're not as fooled. It's like watching a magician. Mm-hmm. Not so much fun once you know the how how he does it. Yeah, and that that is true. It's like I had a I had a client one time who actually was a, ma- a magician. He learned it to entertain his kids when they were little, and then he started, you know, got really good at it. And I used to ask him because he would come in, you know, like he would come in even with his patients. Sometimes he's a cardiologist. He'd do a little magic trick to kind of cheer him up and get him in the mood to to have a nicer conversation. And so I asked him one time to show me some tricks. And he said, no, no, I don't want to show you the tricks. And I said, why not? He said it would spoil the magic. And and in a sense, you know, what we're doing is spoiling, you know, the bad magic, the black magic. (laughs) We had a big laugh about that because he knew what I, you know, I was getting into this work and he he was aware of it. And he said, well, I guess you probably think that uh, that's a good idea is to know what's behind the magic. And I said, yeah, I do. And I said, but I don't want to spoil the fun magic. I just want to have people understand the negative magic, you know, the magic that's uh, scary magic. And the scary magic is you can make up anything and you can frighten yourself for a long, long time. Well, it's a little bit like, um, like my dad ran a, a movie theater, right? So we used to go to the movies all the time. Well, you're sitting there watching the movie and it gets scary and you're like gripping the chair, you know, you're like in the moment really being affected by it. But there's a part of you that goes, it's just a movie. This is just a movie. Calm down. You're okay. You know, that your wisdom comes through and tells you that. So once you see that it's just a movie that we're watching, in a sense, like life is just, it's just thought that you're seeing, Mm -hmm. then you can still enjoy it and get even, you know, like freaked out by watching it. But as long as you know, it's just a movie, you don't run out of the theater. Mm -hmm. You know, if you brought somebody from the uh, 1700s and you put them in a movie theater, they'd probably run out of the theater screaming, thinking that they're being attacked or that the ocean's going to swallow them up or whatever they're watching right. looks like it'd be real. 
yeah, the concept of reality is a is another uh, another thing. I, I know so many people. Uh, my clients will come in and say, you know, well, you don't understand my reality. You don't understand, you know, the reality that I live in. And, and they're really speaking the truth, but they don't hear themselves. It is just their reality. You know, and I'll say, well, I, of course, I don't understand your reality, but I know a lot about my reality. <laughs> and and the fact is, we all live in our own reality. And that's another another aspect of it is to realize it's like people get upset. For example, I, I have a client recently who was very upset about um, something that someone said to her. And uh, she just couldn't believe that this person would have said that harsh, terrible thing that was really hurtful. And and when she related it to me, it didn't sound harsh and terrible. It didn't strike me that way. It just struck me as, a you know, it's kind of that person's opinion. But, you know, but for her, it just hit something in her thinking. And she's like, don't you understand why I'm upset? And I said, yes, but it isn't because of what the person said. It's because of what your expectations of other people and the way you heard it. Because the person was just speaking their own truth, whatever it is, they're speaking their reality. And when you brought it into your reality, it looked different to you. And I said that you know, that is that is such a uh, difficult thing for people to see at first. Is like you know we cannot control what other people think, and we don't even really know what other people are thinking. We can only we can only well, our own. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not only do we not know what they're thinking, but what they're thinking is just based on the state of mind they were at the same time. At right. the time they remember it, right? So that's, I mean, that's frequently happens in therapy, right? You go, people go in to talk to their therapist and they tell them about this awful event. And then they, the therapist talks to the other person, you know, like the partner or the mother or whatever. And you hear a totally different side of it. It's like, oh my God. But when you're talking to somebody individually and you listen to everything they're telling you, they're just telling you what they saw. That may or may not have happened. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been on the side of, you said this and I didn't say it, right? Like, oh, what, what's up with that? Yeah, that's very true. That's, the, that's actually what's wrong in the world, you know, is people don't have an understanding of the differences in the way people think and the fact that uh, people are all creating their own separate realities in different states of mind and they look different at different times. Mm-hmm. And if everyone took the content of their thinking less seriously, and saw the spiritual truth behind it, the, the, the energy behind it, the power that we have to think, and the power that we have to, to set thinking aside when it is taking us down a path of sadness or upset, the power that we have to think again, the power that we have to, to um, see other the innocence and in other people's thinking, just to realize, oh, that person must be having a bad day, you know, rather than, why are they so mean to me? Um, these are all things that, that are, affect our everyday life. You know, we talk about mental well-being. It, it's to have a really happy life, to be f- very mentally well, to be at peace with yourself is, is bigger than, than most people think it is. It's not just, you know, not needing medication and, you know, working around your bad moods and things like that. It's like understanding what life is, understanding the principles behind it, understanding that you're always free to think again, to think differently, to see beyond your own whatever limiting thoughts you have. And that that well-being is not that you feel great all the time. So when you don't feel great, it's not a big deal. 
because you know that that feeling is just a reflection of the way you're thinking in that moment. It's not, it doesn't say anything about your character or you as a person or your future or anything. It's just a momentary experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's um, understanding and working from an, a, a what I want to call the truth about how we create reality totally changes what you say, how you say it. And you can talk about the exact same thing. Like you can talk to somebody about thought, but if you don't see that you, that we all get tricked by the illusion of thought, then you'll get caught up in the details of it. And you'll try to fix the person's world. You'll try to change the person's life. And that, that's going to be different all the time. Yeah. And you'll always be playing catch up. Like it used to really irritate me because I'd talk through a problem with a client, you know, and I'd think that they had a plan worked out of what to do with it. And they'd come back the next week that the plan never got carried out. The plan, the problem never got addressed and they're onto a new one. Yeah. Right. Because it wasn't about that. You see what I mean? It's like when people focus on what, what people perceive as causing their distress they're just telling you about the how they're caught up in the illusion of thought. Yes. That's it. So that's, uh, that's kind of why psychology has it backwards, because it's still trying to fix the illusion rather than trying to explain the fact that we create the illusion and, yeah. uh, and how we create it and how understanding that sets us free. We can live in whatever illusion we choose to live in, and be free to wander through different illusions, put it that way, to explore different realms. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your being a part of our uh, podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Oh, you know what? Can we also just add a little piece here? Um, We should be starting our uh, Psychology Has It Backwards, the program. Yes. And if you're interested in having more one-on-one discussions, not one-on-one, but a small group discussion mm-hmm. about this and maybe changing your practice or changing your way that you practice life, right? Or the way that you're yeah. living with, because we've all been affected by psychology and in interesting ways where we get caught up in, yeah. in seeing life backwards. So if you want to join us, we're, we've got two groups starting on April 7th is the first one. And that's at, um, 2 p.m. on Wednesday, April 7th. And the second one is Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Both of those are Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to join us, it's we've made it very inexpensive. It's a 10-week course, and uh, we'd love to have you um, participate. You can go to our um, website, psychologyhasitbackwards.com, and there's information under check out the program and you can sign up and get information. Great. And we hope we'll see some of you there. Okay. Aloha. Bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 